Hey guys, how are you? Welcome to the Dragon Drive Show presented by Summit Racing. My name is Mike Narks. I run dragondrive.com and a co-founder of the Dragon Drive Addiction Group. I am Eric White. I run 815 LSX Swaps, Motorsports Paparazzi, and your co-host for Dragon Drive News and the Dragon Drive Show. Let's get this thing started, man. What is up, guys? Hey, I, I know you saw Eric. 815 LSX swaps in the back. He is our guest host this week, guys. We're going to have a ton of fun. Him and I have been putting topics together for the last several days about what we're going to talk about. In this time, in this episode, episode three of the Dragon Drive show, we're going to recap 2022 Dragon Drive events. We're going to talk about the growth of the channel and where it's headed, what we're going to do, what we've done, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we also talk about Brian Lone's podcast about the 92 streetcar shootout. Uh, Hot Rod Magazine event. Love that thing. It was amazing. We're going to talk about Ken Block here in a minute. And then Eric has some questions for me at the end of the show about the channel and kind of myself and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, let's just go right now and thank our newest partner, Racing Junk Classifieds. Guys, this is going to be a really, really fun uh, example of how people can get involved with the brand and then how we can maybe help you grow as well. The racing junk stuff is going to be awesome. We are actually talking to them, trying to see if we can put maybe a drag and drives uh, clickable part in there. So we'll see if we can do that. But as part of that, we're going to have some, you know, what we found on racing junk and things like that as we go, probably monthly, maybe even bi-weekly, something like that. I will tell you this, there is a ton of, ton of parts and cars and everything it was so hard i probably spent i don't know an hour and a half two hours the last day and a half to get try and find something and i really didn't even find what i what i wanted for this show here so what i do want to say is take notes or uh, make notes while we're going through here because we'll stop at the end of kind of every segment and break and go back to the comments if there are any questions or anything like that and then we're going to talk about the PRI magazine having Dragon Drive in it and all that kind of stuff. There's so a huge show. I'm planning about two hours. I don't know how long Eric is going to stay. He said he was feeling a little sickly, but I think the adrenaline is starting to pump and getting out there. But before we get started, guys, I want to thank Sweet Patina. They have signed up for they signed up for 2022 to sponsor the Built for Dragon Drive segment. They have signed up again for 2023. So it's exciting to have them on here as part of the group and all that kind of stuff. So let's jump into, uh, let's bring Eric on. And if you don't know who Eric is, he can tell you who he is. And uh, and then we'll jump right into the show. Dude, what's up? What's happening? Man, nothing. I need a, a drink of this Cayman Jack Margarita. So why don't you tell them who you are and uh, and a quick recap of the channel and stuff like that. All right. I am Eric White and I am the creator of 815 LSX Swaps. Uh, we've been on YouTube for a couple of years now. Uh, you can see two of my personal builds here in the background, 240SX, 5.3T56, and a twin-turbo Fox Body Mustang that I'm currently building now. Uh, we do DIY videos. We go to PRI and cover events. Uh, we got a website. We got a podcast. We got a blog. We're just all over in uh, the racing community, and we're hoping to keep that growing. Yeah, dude, you and I have actually been talking about you attending more events. And obviously, you know, I'm pushing you towards drag and drive events because that's our passion, man. It's what we love. I want to say uh, 
you'll see Facebook user come up like this sometimes. These are folks that are in the Drag and Drive Addiction group. If you scroll to the bottom of the description, it will say, uh, you know, give StreamYard permission to use your name on these uh, on these live streams. So anyways, thank you to all the folks that are in the Drag and Drive Addiction. We're 9,600 people in that group. We've grown it from, and we'll talk about this a little bit later too, but from just around 4,200 people to over 9,000, 9,600 and something as of right now. So it's pretty exciting to have that many folks obviously following what we're doing, but then also the Facebook group is great because, you know, Facebook groups, everybody can run through and ask questions and comment and all that kind of stuff. So I see a bunch of folks popping in here. All right. So let's, let's set some ground rules here. We'll run through some comments or we'll run through some topics and then we'll go back to the comments. So uh, Eric and I will be kind of putting those on the screen as we come through, if it fits. And then also uh, going back to those as we move through the topics. All right, dude, you ready to get started? Yes, sir. Um, I think first we talk about one, uh, the hat you're wearing and Ken Block. I, I feel like losing him is uh, a, a big blow to the car community. So tell us your story with Ken Block. And then I think we have a moment of silence for him and his family. I just remember watching, you know, the Jim Connor videos when mm -hmm. he started doing all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I remember being excited for when those come out, you know, they drop it like midnight and stay up all night to watch those. And it was just yeah. incredible. The, the way that he could drive and handle a car that, uh, <laughs> you know, I know he's not, um, he's not a big part of the drag and drive stuff, but everybody yeah in the automotive community has at least heard of who Ken Block is. So I believe he, he made an impact on, on all the automotive community. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, let's, let's give a few moments of silence here for, for him and his family. All right. I do want to say I, I can't imagine what they're going through and uh, our deepest condolences are out to them and his extended family from there. You know, the whole tribe of Hoonigan people. I mean, there's far, far reaching effects of of his situation and all that kind of stuff. So, all right. On to other things. Um, let's talk about this new PRI magazine because I'm kind of excited Uh because I'm in it. My name, Michael Narks, is actually in this uh, article written by Bradley Iger. And guys, I've been screaming it very, very loudly for a long time that Dragon Drive is going mainstream. This is huge. You know, obviously, Sick the Mag has its own standalone magazine, 200-page books, basically, every three or four months. But this is a big deal for, for all of us that are in the Dragon Drive community because... There are people like I was talking to at PRI that didn't even know what drag and drive was. Well, they're going to get this and they're going to see the front cover here with a, you know, first 67 Camaro pulling a trailer. I mean, it's a Harbor Freight trailer, $300 trailer back then. This was 2021 for drag week. And I mean, literally in, in big, bold print, it says drag and drive right on the front. So that's a, I think that's going to really help push us forward. And then I just want to, talk about the article real quick because it is from a promoter standpoint which is great for the people that are typically reading this magazine so if you guys haven't seen my pictures from earlier 
uh, Mark Grote in the Gremlin um, takes the cover page with Road Trippers as the title. It talks about Drag Week and where it starts and all that kind of stuff. And then we move through. You can see our buddy Dave Terezi, Jamie Dollar. There's a picture. You got all of our friends from Rocky Mountain Race Week here. I don't know which which track that is, but I think that's probably, I don't know, Scott Guthrie's car has looked the same for so long. Um, so it's pretty awesome to go through here. They talked to Matt Frost. They talked to Hyde with Midwest Drags. They talked to Dustin Watts with Miles of Mayhem. And they talked to, um, hang on, McGann. Uh, here we go. John McGann, who is the editor-in-chief at Hot Rod Magazine, who obviously he has a big part to do with Drag Week. And then me, and then which is really interesting. So I have just a small little line there in the uh, kind of towards the bottom at the back of the article. But talking about how many people have entered, uh, we have more than 600 people in 2019, and now we're more than two, you know, almost 2,000 people entered in 2022. And guys, there's numbers that I'm going to go over here in a minute about a 2022 recap and 2023 that we're going to see. It's going to blow your mind. But anyways, I want to say uh, PRI Magazine having the Dragon Drive on the cover is pretty awesome. It's seven pages of coverage in there, seven pages of article. Uh, in, That's pretty in cool. Yeah. It's funny that Brad is the same person that did my article back in yep. the November uh, edition. So, yeah. Well, it's funny. You talk about what to do, what not to do at PRI, and then you didn't do any of the stuff you suggested. Right. <laughs> do as yeah. I say, not as I do. Yeah, it's just funny that we always end up in the same place regardless. So yeah. same <laughs> same, uh, same writer, same magazine. So yep. We're, yep. we're always in the same place. Right. Your, your feet are going to hurt at the end of PRI is what he's saying, and uh, no matter what shoes you're wearing and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so I thought that was pretty neat, but I do want to jump right into some 2022 uh, information, kind of a recap. Now, what you guys don't know is that Eric hasn't attended a full drive. He hasn't participated in a full Dragon Drive yet. He is. Uh, I'm wearing him down slowly. So I will say he has plans to attend Six Summer as a media consultant for maybe for some Dragon Drive stuff, but also for 815 LSX swaps. Simply because I can't be there, I'll be attending the um, Autocross Week that week. So. All right, let's talk about 2022 because there are some really neat uh, numbers that go into 2022 and the recap of it, right? So everybody talks about the fast cars. Everybody knows all that stuff. But did you know that there were 1,832 entries into drag and drive events that, I, that were on tech sheets for events for 2022? That's pretty awesome in my sense because 1,800 people is more than triple the 600 people that came out in 2019. So I keep going back to 2019 because you can't really count 2020 because we only had Rocky Mountain events, but it, it's bittersweet for 2020 because without 2020, we wouldn't have race week, which is Rocky Mountain 2.0 put on by Matt and June and Adam. So would we have seen the growth that we've seen in 21 and 22 going into 23 without drag week and Midwest drags canceling, you know, in turn getting Matt to do two events uh, in, in 2020. So, so of those 1800, how many actually finished? Uh, 1572. Oh, yeah. It goes right along with the, the normal amount you would think of the attrition that we see across most of the events. I will say uh, sick week had, I think had the highest attrition last year. And it's really probably just because people had come off of a year that they weren't ready for sick week necessarily. 
so they had pushed their car to the limit at the events they were at. Then sick week comes and is available, right? Everybody wants to go. It's a new event. Well, this year will be completely different. I feel like for sick week, because people are planning for sick week, people have built cars specifically for sick week. So I want to jump in here. So we got 1830 cars or 30 entries. So it's 86% completion rate, which is about normal for what we see across all of the events. So it's pretty awesome. And then, uh, so 1,572 people finished. We we do have, and I'll say this again in a minute, we do have a I Survived a Dragon Drive 2022 sticker coming. Uh, that will be available in the next couple of days. And then there were 14 events for 2022, which is obviously more than we've ever had in the history of these events. There were, you know, the first 10 years of Drag Week, there was only one event per year. So I, I can't see, you know, from what I see, there's not a lot of others. There was a drag weekend, but only one. But one thing that I found really, really cool was we actually visited 38 different tracks in 2022 for drag and drive events. Everybody talks about, you've got to get out to your track. You've got to go. Think about that. There's some of these tracks that, I mean, I'm not going to say they wouldn't be open without us, but it's got to help, right? It's got to help. Yeah, and that number is only going to get bigger with all the events that are coming here in yep. 2023. So, yep. yeah, uh, it's that's a lot of that's a lot of tracks. So, you know, yep. and and where I'm at, there's you know just a couple around me that are usually on sick sick week or uh, sick summer and Midwest yep. drags. But yeah, I mean, there's 38 tracks that had drag and drive events this year. That's incredible. It's pretty awesome to think that, and a lot of times these are middle of the week events. So like this is a bonus for these tracks. These are extra money in the concession stands, in the, you know, in the um, ticket booth, all that kind of stuff. Is this extra eyes at the track to come see these racers and things like that. Uh, we got this Facebook user saying, I can speak for a few bike guys. We're pumped and appreciate all the events adding bike classes. That's a huge plus. It's a, uh, it's amazing to, I think as we grow, right, we'll see more of that kind of interesting, neat stuff. There's actually another event I'm going to talk about later that has a new spin on stuff that I'm really excited to be a part of. And then uh, Jeff here says, Sick Week is definitely tough to get ready and test for coming from the northern states. Yes, for sure. Uh, that That is because you have no time to test if you, you know, if you really start, if you finished your car in November in Ohio or in Illinois, like where you are, I mean, dude, where where would you test? You, you'd have nowhere to test because the tracks are closed. Right. There's there's nothing around. Yeah, that's crazy. So whoever that Facebook user is needs to uh, poke you a little bit about getting uh, some data on on bike classes for Dragon Drive. That's yeah, I, you don't have right now, do you? <laughs> right. We don't. We do not currently have a list of motorcycle racers. I am building it, but I will tell you, there's only about five names. So total that have ever raced a motorcycle in a drag and drive event. So it's uh it's interesting to, you know, where do you make a list because you have the segment? Do you only put five people on that list? You know, like how, how do you, how do you make that make sense? So we're working through that. I think we will have one for 2023 season. Uh, I don't know if I'll have one for 2022. All right. So some interesting racer numbers here that I wanted to talk about. This is where I get a little bit nerdy. There were four racers that completed four events. So out of 1,572 racers, four of those racers, okay, Cameron Thorpe is the only person to complete four national events, okay? 
He his best average 10, 5, 11 uh, at sick week. And then this is a, a really cool stat that I wish um, we could maybe get the interest of some fuel companies, but he drove 11,000 miles, almost 12,000 miles to get to and compete in drag and drive events in 2022. That was going to be my question. Does that include yep. driving to the events and yep. back? So yep. that's not just drive time in the car itself. Yeah. Yep. And so you got to think if he did four national events, the average national event mileage is a thousand miles. Let's say I mean, he put 4,000 miles on his car and raced at 20 tracks during the year, 20 different tracks or probably 14 or 15 different tracks throughout the year in the Volvo wagon with the LSA on it. Love that car. It's, it's, it's amazing. He is always a top contender in the 11 index class on the Rocky mountain event. I think he just went all out and sent it on sick week. So good. So when you think about uh, wear and tear on the car, that's one thing, but yep. now think about your tow vehicle, your trailer, mm-hmm. you know, four events, that's what 8,000 ish yep. miles that you put on a tow vehicle. So now you got to, yep do maintenance on that and you got fuel costs there i mean yeah that's that stuff adds up quick well and for guys like rovic who's from the yukon i mean he put more than thirty thousand miles on his rigs getting to and from the three events that he did because he was so far away now he has one in his backyard with the bc drag it challenge so it's kind of exciting to see these events begin to spread go you know what's wild is hot rod magazine is in california but yet everything they do is east of the Mississippi almost, you know, right. <laughs> what's up with that guys? You know, so Danny Fatka, what's a tow vehicle? Hey, listen, don't, don't be talking about rich Guido in here now. So, <laughs> and that's the other thing too, you know, you start talking about oil changes and all that kind of stuff for your, for your race car, but then also for all of your, your dragon drive or your tow rig and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, and congrats to Cameron for sure. I mean, it's amazing to complete four national events. It just, you know, attends to his uh, ability to build a really nice race worthy car. 36 racers completed three events, 168 racers completed two events. And then 1,112 racers only completed one event in 2022. How does that strike you? Does that seem weird to you? What's what's that number going to be like? Is it going to be a bigger percentage for 23? What are we going to see? Are we going to see folks doing a national event and a regional event? I, I don't know. I, I think so, because I think as drag and drive gets bigger, it's going to be more difficult to get into some of these events. I mean, like yeah. what six summer sold out in like 10 minutes or something. Yeah. So, I mean, these events they are selling out and they're selling out quick. So if you're not prepared to get in, it's not that you don't want to go, you might not just be able to, to get into it. How many drivers have raced in an event and then done like road week or, or sick ward because maybe mm, they couldn't yeah. get in. So that would be an interesting fact on how many people competed in an event and then maybe did one of those sick wards or yeah. or um, road weekers. Yeah, uh, this this is a great comment here. The majority of the hot rod readership was in the Midwest and the track density won't support it elsewhere, according to Keith Turk, who is the man of Hot Rod Drag Week. He is He's the dude behind all the stuff, gets everybody teched and all that kind of stuff. And when we start talking about that, uh, that podcast episode, um, 
that you, you you get a lot of that from that podcast you yep. you hear a lot of people from uh wisconsin illinois michigan mm-hmm. you know there was a lot of that yeah. stuff right detroit well. chicago you know talking about streetcar stuff you know those right. are big streetcar streetcar places <clears throat> yeah this is a it's a good comment too you can't forget about the six shootouts that tom had at pdra and nmca events that's right the the struggle with those is I wish he would have extended those and drove another 50 miles and do a hundred miles in two days of racing, man. We'd have had way more events anyways. All right. So I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, that 11, a thousand one hundred and twelve racers only completed one event. And I'm excited to see what that looks like for 2023. So I, I mentioned earlier, we are going to have a survive a, I survived a dragon drive decal, I will say the I survived a dragon drive list. Ooh, say that three times fast is on the website now and I'm pulling it up. I'm going to put it in the comments. You can go to dragondrive.com and just click on the I survived a dragon drive button. And that will show you the that will show you every racer that completed or yeah, every racer that completed an event in 2022. The benefit is, and let me get my notes back up here. You can search by name, ET, eighth or quarter mile, and national or regional event. <clears throat> so there's literally a ton of data there that we can only put like, I think, 100 racers on one page at a time. So if you're looking for your own name, like Cameron Thorpe, he could actually pull up his four passes or his four events, you know, and have that data forever, whatever. So, you know, as we continue to grow the page, all of this data becomes historical. Everybody can do all that stuff, but we also have the same list for 2021. So if you completed an event in 21 and I am slowly working my way backwards, uh, the, the plan would be to have, you know, just go backwards and have every event that has ever been done with some kind of something like the, I survived the dragon drive or a DNF list as well for the year, which I'm not doing that for 22 or 21 yet. We may just put an all time DNF list together. I I really don't know yet. So we're going to see on that. Uh, I will tell people this is a ton of work to put all of this stuff together. So I can imagine doing that, doing all of this, it allows me to kind of nerd out for a minute. And I love the stories that come from, you know, from Cameron Thorpe. Let's give a great example of his stuff here. So let's pull him up. So real quick, how far back do you plan on going with these events? Uh, Forever. Uh, We'll, we'll eventually have a complete historical list of all the, of all the stuff. So uh, Cameron has a 10, 5, 11 average at sick week, 10, 6, 3, 9 at drag week, 11, 0, 39 at race week. And then 11-219, or yeah, race week. And then Rocky Mountain, he did an 11-219. It was literally that easy to pull up his name and get his averages. So here's the biggest benefit to that, in my opinion, is for um, promoters or announcers. They can jump in, you know, like Adam Dory, I think of all the time. He could jump in and see that Cameron had competed in other events very quickly at an event and give them one more level of something to talk about. Uh, It also is great for guys like Philip Thomas to be able to go back and look at that data and see who, you know, you could, you could physically track. Now you'd have to do some legwork to do each year because I want to separate it by years, but you know, you could see 
Michael Narks' time in 2020, Michael Narks' time in 2021, all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't be on either of those lists because I didn't finish either event. But uh, if I had, it would be on there. But guys like Steve Eden and Pete Holm will be on every one of those because they've competed uh, you know, in drag week and finished every drag week they've ever entered. So, Are those lists <laughs> exportable to like an Excel file or anything? Uh, as of right now, no, you can just copy and paste. So that's the struggle to do, to make it exportable like that. I really, I'm going to need a sponsor to help me come on and, and handle the backside of, of that. So if anybody knows anybody that wants to be a big old sponsor, come on, let's go. I'm ready. I've, uh, I feel like I'm probably one of the hardest working people in Dragon Drive and, uh, we're only going to get more and more busy. So there, there are some questions that we'll answer later on that'll talk about that. So let's move to 2023 stuff. Dude, we talked about how many events. There were 14 events in 2022. As of right now, there are 20 events on my list on dragondrive.com. Literally all of them there with links to them. Let me pull that up and put it in the comments as well. Sorry, I should have thought about that earlier. So if you go to the blog page, it's two or three down because I've written some articles about cars and stuff like that. 20 events is pretty, pretty incredible when you think, you know, there's 12 months in a year and how many of those can we actually race in? You know, you're packing, you're you're packing a lot of events in a short amount of time. So that gives a lot of people opportunity to attend different events. Yep. Well, and the other side of that too is the range of these events, like where they're at, the time of the year, things like that. Everybody sees 20 events and goes, oh man, it's saturated. But two of the things, we haven't talked about the event that I'm putting on later in the year with some friends. Haven't talked about it yet. We will in a few minutes. Not in depth, but we will. And then King of the Open Road, I only have two of their events on there because I know they're going to do a fall and a spring or a spring and a fall event in 23 at for King of the Open Road at Oklahoma City. I don't know what their other events are. Jared and I were messaging the other day talking about it. I've got some other ideas with him to talk about. Um, I think there's something really cool that can happen with the circuit, which is April 14th through 16th cruise and lose, which is Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, April 21st and 22nd. And then a, a May, early May, mid May King of the open road event, which would be Oklahoma city. I mean, if that doesn't ring triple crown, I don't know what does. Like, but I've I've got to get a hold of him and talk to him. So someone tag him in the comments here, and uh, and let's discuss the opportunity that we would have to maybe see if someone wants to compete in all three and what that would look like as an award. And uh, and I'll go to work. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be really cool as you begin to to see events get close to each other. Because even like the circuit sold out, the uh, cruise and lose, I think, sold out in four hours. And then, you know, King of the Open Road is going to sell out because they have 200 entries and they have 18,000 people on their on their page. I mean, there's a lot that can happen. And those technically are in the same region. But Joplin, Missouri, Lincoln, Nebraska and Oklahoma City, if you're doing a weekend deal, are not close at all. Right. So, you know, you got four weeks or five weeks of time there where there's three events that are close. It'll be interesting to see how that does and and what that means going forward. So anyways, sorry, Triple Crown um, is coming. 
I don't know if Devin's event has sold out yet. Uh, for that's uh, Southeast Street, and you, it most likely has. I would think they they always do really well with it. With twenty events, what are we up to for number of tracks from thirty eight in twenty twenty two? Dude, I'm see. This is why me and you are buddies. This is why you're, <laughs> we're on the same page, bud. We're visiting at least sixty tracks, at least sixty tracks for twenty twenty three. If we had four or five more events. Like you're talking, I mean, we could be almost 70 different tracks, not sorry, not 70 different tracks because some of those will overlap, but 70 track days for drag and drive events is huge. I mean, think about that. That, that could really stimulate and that could stimulate, stimulate a track's revenue greatly, you know, if the right. promoter will do it right. And I think that's what we're, so today, um, the guys on the West Buck show were talking about drag and drive and maybe getting saturated. And even in the article, Matt Frost talks about, we don't want to oversaturate the market and things like that. But if all of these events are selling out and there's people standing in the waiting list that have literally bitched for three years that they can't get into an event, bro, th that means we can handle more. Now right. it comes down to the promoters on our side to one, take care of those people and two, not put on a shitty event. Like you can't just have racers. So, you know, now that the circuit has sold out, we are full on spectator promotion. That is what we're focused on. We're focused on getting people in the stands. We want to have people watching these racers, talking to these racers, getting excited about drag and drive events. And I mean, dude, when's the last time you saw like an eight second car pulling a freaking trailer or like Brian Acton and Jay Blanchard, those crazy bastards, they have a basket hanging off the back with two tires on it. Right. It's wild. You know what would be another interesting stat would be to see what the number of active drag strips in in the U.S. is. So if we're going to visit over sixty, that's sixty of how many? Yeah, yeah, that's a dude. That's a great thing. Let me uh, send me that in a message. <laughs> let's let's talk about that later. Definitely. Uh, yeah, and uh, Taco Time Tyler right here, bud. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys don't even know what they're getting into. I'm riding back from sick week with them. I rode down to sick week last year with them. They rescued me. Now I've, I've begged to get a ride back with them. Uh, de definitely don't think it's saturated, but definitely think events need to watch overlap of dates. I feel like there are a lot of um, regional promoters that talk to each other that are, you know, obviously I talked to Jared probably once a week, uh, talk to Tyler and Zach at cruise and lose probably once a month. I'm always on their page looking at stuff. I think the regional events are going to do, do very well at conversating between each other. It's the national events. Everybody's the coolest kid in the room at those events and they don't want to give up any information. But uh, even in the article, the guy from drag or from hot rod magazine talks about that, like a standardized rule set would be nice because then, you know, at least for a few classes, because that would make it easier on my drag and drive.com side, because then I could put, you know, street race class, excuse me, which is the 850 class. You know, I could do a list for the 850 cars, whatever. So anyway, you almost need a committee together to work with all the promoters and say, Hey, Ugh. you know, let's, let's get this ironed out. Who wants to do what this year and, and work yeah. through that so that there isn't any, there's no way that would happen. You know I mean? And that's, that's really kind of what happened with Midwest drags and the East coast invasion is sick week or sick uh, summer came up. 
and was, you know, virtually the same tracks and areas. So, you know, luckily Midwest Tracker was able to, to locate some tracks elsewhere. And uh, I'm excited to go to the East Coast. I've never been there. So that'll be fun. And then I see uh, Jeff here says all the awards in the circuit keep it interesting. Also, we have a ton of fun stuff over there. And then uh, I'm assuming this is Jared says Oklahoma, Texas, Arizona coming soon for Coder. That's really exciting. I think as we can expand West, I think those racers have been waiting. They're, they're ready and waiting, you know, Redwood rally in um, uh, Redding, California, just literally people are chomping at the bit to sign up for it. So Arizona, I think would be a great state, just depending on the time of the year. Uh, And then, yeah. Uh, Tyler says, I don't think it would ever work, especially with Hot Rod being so corporate. But also, I don't think anybody wants to give up any, nobody wants to give up any ground. So if you went to someone's rule set, they'd be fine. But I don't know. I, I the, the national level event promoters, they've got it all in their, uh, all in their pants there for sure. I, I don't want to have to mess with anything. This, this is funny. I'm, I'll be the Wally Parks of Dragon Drive, of regional Dragon Drive events. So, oh man, look at this right here, right here. So fall, September, Arizona, Tucson, Mm, dude, that'll be perfect. Perfect, perfect. Okay. So we talked about 60 events or 60 tracks. That is with 26 events, which would also, this is kind of an interesting number here. And this is completely a guess uh, based on what I've seen in the past and what I know of event uh, uh, max entries but that's 3,500 to 4,000 entries that we could see in 2023. Dude, that could be, I mean, if we can, if we can double again, it'd be awesome. I mean, 4,000 people, 3,500 people showing up, say you have the same 86% finish. I mean, dude, you're looking at more than 3,000 people will have finished for 2023. That's a huge bump for, our community, which is really so small in relation to just an NHRA or IHRA or WDRA or PDRA, you know, those, those sanctioning bodies are so big because they have so many racetracks, so many places across the country, you know, are we growing into that? Are we, is that what 10 years from now looks like, you know? You're going to have uh, your hands full with all these stats that you got to gather up and put together. Well, and and that's one of the topics we'll talk about in a little bit. And that's the struggle that I run into is because like the software I used for the circuit is great because it allows for so much information that I hope in the future other events will use it simply because it will make my job easier because then they can just export their file and send it to me because that's, that's what it'll have to be because there is no sanctioning body. There is no NHRA for Dragon Drive. So unless I physically know the promoter, it's very hard for me to get the data. I, I literally, there's, there were some events in 2022 that they would send me pictures of the pieces of paper because they didn't have a whole lot of attendees. So they would send me the picture of the piece of paper and then I would manually input all the data. So, you know, you do that on 14 events. Okay. I have to do that on three or four. No big deal. You talk about 26 events. If I have to do that on eight events, nine events, what's going to be wrong? You know, what, what's right. going to be, what's going to hurt it. So um, I see Danny Fatka here saying maybe there should be as far as a sanctioning body that w- I think it would be really hard. I think we are still, uh, to Wild West for somebody to step in and and want to just really manhandle that. And how do you, as a corporate body, 
you know, say, say the IHRA stepped in and they wanted to be part of it or the new WDRA, this would be great for them because of their grassroots feel. How do the, you know, do you only want it to race at WDRA tracks? You know, how, how does that work? So now we're as promoters, we're like, okay, I can, you know, to race under their rules, I can only do WDRA tracks. Well, that leaves me out. Now I will say we have talked about um, in the past, kind of a guideline of what we are doing to kind of help mitigate. Like you can't do a 50 mile drive and then race and it be an event, be a drag and drive event. You can do, you know, could we do. So our thing for 2023, and I'll go over this in the drag and drive news on Saturday morning is race drive at least a hundred miles or sorry, drive at least 85 miles at race again. And that is the minimum of a drag and drive event. You have to race full out. You have to drive 85 miles and then you have to race full out again. So I think that opens up a lot of opportunity for a lot of other events that we haven't even talked about that have never been a drag and drive event. Um, they could also be a drag and drive event because of the, the easy part there. So let's move on to 23 and fast stuff, dude, because this is one that I find very, very interesting. And I know uh, Taco Time Tyler's in here. Those guys are number 101 on the list, right? <laughs> With an eight, nine is number 101. They're in this really weird four car gap between the fastest 100 and the nine Oh list. So they're the honorable mentions uh, between that gap. So hopefully, well, let's, let's talk about the number 100 spot. So I went back to 2020. I'll do a 19 later. I still have to do some Midwest drags manipulation on 2019 to get this number, but 2020 Carl Bright was actually the number 100 spot with an 11, 131. And then Rich Guido number or 2021 was our number 100 spot with a nine, two, three, one again, pulled that right from the uh, 2021 stats on the dragon drive.com. And then 2022 Wayne Baker, my favorite gasser of the entire year. I uh, love that Nova big, you know, big front end blower does cool wheelies, all that kind of stuff uh, with an eight, nine, five, eight. So what are we going to see as the, and guys tell me in the comments, what are we going to see for the new number 100 spot for 2023? I, will I be able to make an eight second list for 2023? Because you got to think here's the other side of it too. If a, we only use a racer's fastest average. So for these lists, they're only populated one time. So like Cameron Thorpe is a great example. He would have technically made the 11-0 list, but since he ran a 10-5-11 at sick week, he wasn't on the 11-0 list. So we only use your fastest time. So will we get, like Tyler says, some 790s? Is that going to be the new number 100? Maybe we should do like a, I don't know how I can, can I, will Facebook let me do a giveaway if uh, if we run that from here until the end of the year? You know, again, this is national events quarter mile. This is a, for four plus days is a national event in my, in my book. So congratulations to Wayne Baker on making the number 100 spot for 2022. Um, and then here we go. Danny says uh, you can be an independent sanctioning body and go to whoever's track. Hmm, that could be an interesting, interesting thought. I don't think I want the brain damage of that, but uh, I'm open to talking to folks and, uh, and helping run stuff. So um, from there. All right. So, you had, uh, oh, 
do you do you want to ask this next question or do you want me to keep talking? <laughs> I got it. So this question is is why do you think the segment is growing? Well, in my opinion, COVID. Sadly, um, I think it allowed people to finish their car. I said that in the article too. I think people were able to finally get that few months of time to where they can relax a little bit, order some parts, get that stuff. And without, you know, anyways, I I think it allowed them to finish their car and now they're ready for some adventure. They want to do something. They want to get out and about. And really the other side of it too, is the hype. You know, you have, you have sick the mag who has started, you know, 2021 was their first year. So now you've got 18 months of sick the mag being out and the hype from it. You've got all of the Tom Bailey stuff that's happened since then, you know, his channel growth and all that. And then, I mean, if you've got people like drag illustrated Monday morning racer, you've got PRI magazine talking about it. Hot rod, hot rod magazine, giving even two issues dedicated to drag week. I think more and more people are now they're seeing it. Now they're seeing it. <laughs> yeah. We need more time. Yes, that is for sure. That is for sure. So with that, where, you know, I know a lot of people are running into part shortages. So how is that, you know, is that going to end up being something that, that takes a, a step backwards because people are struggling to get parts? Yeah, I, I think. Ho- hope not. Right. But I think as folks begin to sign up for these events, I think they'll, get more, you know, they'll six summer is a great example for you. Like the reason you're going for that for media is because it's in your backyard. Right. Right. So as we see events like that become available to folks on the West coast and things like that, maybe they were planning to do sick week in February in Florida. Well, if they don't have the parts, well now they can do Midwest drags or they can do six summer or they can do Rocky mountain race week, you know, as we as we begin to spread across the country and into Canada, people have a lot more opportunity to plan. I think people are starting to look at that like, hey, I don't have to be ready in February and absolutely kill myself to make an event because there's more events that are available. And on the promoter side, that's our job is to do better for those guys that, you know, want to attend their close event now, you know, and right. draw out more people, you know, and the folks that... I keep saying closer to home, closer to home, but the folks that want to attend, like how many times have you raced at Byron, right? That That's your home track. That's where you go. Well, you may do six summer because that's the closest to your house. Hey, I can do eight days away from the family for the first time. That's what my wife is going to allow my kids, are, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Well then I, I mean, I'll tell you, you go on one and then you're like, I want to go to that one. I want to go to that one. I want to go over there. I want to see what that is. I've never been to the East Coast and raced at tracks out there. Let's go. Um, Let's see. I had one other thought before we jump into the Brian Lone topic because I feel like that podcast is great. Oh, dude, let's talk about streetcars and you coming in from outside. Um, What's a fast streetcar to you? So... I think what makes a good fast street car would be somewhere in the 8590s. Because once you start getting down into the 849 and quicker, you get into the funny car cage. And to me, that kind of goes away from a traditional street car. Right. So let's back up one step. 
What was what would you say it was before the last three years? Because I'm was, looking for a number here. <laughs> yeah, when I started building the Fox Body, which is three four years ago, my goal was just to make a 10-0 pass in it. So 10-0 right. is what used to be fast for a streetcar. Yeah, and dude, 10-0 is still fast. That, it is. That's that's what I want people to understand because even in that thing, it, even in the PRI article, and I talk about that. I've talked about that a lot tonight. That's the new drinking game for the folks that are watching. Uh, you got to play catch up. An 850 car is awesome. I feel like that is the perfect street car because it's easy to get in and out of. It's nothing crazy. You still have door bars, all this kind of stuff, right? But a 10-second car accounts for 238 of the 1,570 cars for this year. So it's a huge percentage. It's more than 12-second cars. For the first time in all of the history that I've done everything, 12-second cars have always been number one with 10 seconds as, as second place. So now that that's flipped, are we seeing these guys that ran 12-second cars, are they now upgrading? Are they now running a 10-second car? You know, because 11-second is right behind them with like 150-something racers or something like that in the 11-second range. So, it, yeah, somebody says 850 is the new 10-0, and, and that's right. And I think mm. that's that's probably right for folks that, have had some 10 second cars. Now me, I've never had a 10 second car. So that's my first goal. Uh, always my goal is rolling burnouts and ice cream. So uh, I think as you move, as we move forward, 850 becomes this really cool number to talk about. But I think the, the 10 second car, because of the build that you can do with that, doesn't have to be the craziness and a 12 second car. We know that. I mean, that's a late model GT Mustang with some tires and a tune. I think, I mean, I don't know what a coyote Mustang does now, but it's probably pretty close to that. I would you guess know. so. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A street car that never gets driven uh, at these events. Yeah. The street car is a, uh, is a hundred percent. That's, that's what this proves. And that's what David Freiberger talks about all the time. And even in the podcast with Brian Lones, he talks about what is a street car. Yeah, this this is a, an exact example of what I'm talking about. Tyler knows 100%. They had the trans out three or four times in the Taco Time Fairmont leading up to race week, uh, leading up to Midwest drags, all that kind of stuff. So those 850 cars become, you know, your, your level of hurt, your level of, oh, man, I damaged a converter. I damaged, I spun a drive shaft or I've been a drive shaft, whatever, becomes exponentially more expensive than say like a 10 or a 12 car, a 12 car, especially if you've never done one, just go out and compete because the other side of that is the, and I know folks are going to hear me in this when you're driving along and there's some shit rattling around and you've got three hours of sleep for four days, your brain doesn't work one. And then two, you think, Oh man, it's a rod. It's a rod. We give up. We're out all this kind of stuff. So it's a, uh, it's wild, man. I tell you that just go and compete and be a co-pilot. Like that's the other side, be a co-pilot with somebody. You don't have to drive and race your car the first time. Just go out and be a part of it. So, Oh, right here. Here we go. Got some stickers delivering today. That was exciting. I love seeing all the folks get their stickers. There should be a ton more that get them tomorrow and the next day. So, so that conversation kind of got me thinking a little bit with the people that attend the multiple events uh, I'd be curious to see what class 
uh, those guys are running? Are they primarily at the 10, 11, 12s? Are they in the, the mm. 8, 850 classes? Because the way I think is, is like somebody had mentioned, an 850 car gets expensive. So yeah. if you want to compete in multiple events, do you need, you know, can you afford to build an 850 car and compete yeah. in multiple events? Or do you yeah. stick with a 10 11 car and then compete in multiple events rather than just one? Well, and go back to Cameron Thorpe. I mean, his car's 10-5 to 11 He can run right. that all day, obviously, at – 20 different tracks across the country. So I think that's a, that's a big, that's a great question. Um, I will say that Cletus McFarlane, uh, he is the only driver to complete three national events in the seven second range. Glenn Hunter is second right behind him with a, he, uh, I think his is like an eight, three average or something like that because his drag week average was, was off. It was like in the eight, 30s or or no 880s or something like that so but what johnson's talking about too here you na guys are you're on a next level that's why i love power adder stuff valve train is easier everything like that is easier on uh on power adder stuff but na guys you're you're your whole own animal so uh, so what do you think what would you rather do would you rather run an 850 car at one event or would you rather run a 10 11 second car at multiple oh. events yeah, I'll run a 12-second car and drive it everywhere. <laughs> I want to do – I want to see who does six events next year. You know, Robert Williams is one of the only guys to ever compete in five events or complete five events. Uh, him and Steve Willingham have both completed five national-level events uh, in the past. So it's pretty awesome. I would love to to be able to do that and race. The hard part is – and that's one of our questions later that we'll get into, but, you know, which is harder, competing or media coverage, and competing is 100% harder. So – and if you're a co-pilot, you've got to, you know, if you're carrying your weight, that's probably as hard without the stress as driving because you're looking, you know, you're trying to figure out the map, especially on these folks that have like a turn-by-turn direction on the maps and things like that. So, well, dude, uh, you want to talk about anything else there? You want to jump into the Brian Loans topic and then we'll talk about uh, your questions for me later. No, I think we're good. I've just made a note of those couple things. I think we should kind of get some information around just because I think it'd be interesting. Awesome. All right. Perfect. So uh, if you, I will say this for the folks listening, if you haven't listened to the Dork Emotive podcast about the, sorry, I'm putting the comments here um, about the 1992 Hot Rod Magazine streetcar shootout. It's a great listen. Obviously, I love the way Brian Lone delivers stuff. I love the research he does on that. Um, we actually reached out to him to see if he could be on tonight. Sadly, he could not. But don't worry. I'm going to see if I can uh, pressure him into coming on or request that he comes on. So if anybody wants to tag him in this, that would be great. I do want to say this podcast, my, my number one question at the end of it is how much time did he spend on this? Because I know what it takes to put out a podcast. I cannot simply imagine. I mean, he had phone calls with eight or nine different people that probably would have lasted an hour or two a piece, at least to get the first conversation out. Then you got to have another one. Then you got to, Oh, Hey, I forgot to ask this, or you said it like this. What does this mean? Things like that. He, so I think he even said towards the end that there was about five hours of, of yeah. content that he hadn't even used that, he could probably make a whole nother podcast. And, oh, and this podcast love was what, two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I he would love it. It was I, a long time coming, I, putting that together. 
I'll tell you, I would listen to seven hours of, of that podcast <laughs> just because there's really a lot of neat stuff. And they keep tying back to how that event set up um, the drag and drive events of the future and things like that. You know, now this is 1992 fast street cars. I mean, this is like 850, 90 cars, all that kind of stuff. But, the, you know, these magazine editors, you know, David Freiberger and all those guys, all the magazine guys had been traveling the country talking about street cars, who had the fastest, and they would get together and argue over all that. What is a street car? All that kind of stuff, right? Well, as we, as it moves through the, the podcast, you know, he talks about how these guys heard about it because now we just post an event on Facebook and everybody shares it, right? That's the whole thing. Yeah. But in 92, like, dude, you'd literally have somebody would have to know somebody and then know you that you have a fast street car and be willing to call you to see if you wanted to attend. Yeah, I, I noticed uh, a lot of people had actually heard from Jeff Smith himself about the event, yeah. which which he was the editor of the Hot Rod magazine back in 92. So, yeah, a lot of guys were like, yeah, Jeff reached out directly to me or I heard from a friend that this event was happening. So, yeah, that was a, a very interesting point because, like you said, there was no social media. There was no place yeah. to post it. I mean, hell, I don't sure, even know if there were emails. <laughs> were there emails in 1992? Could you send emails? I was six. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, I wasn't. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically the premise is these guys, it was a 20-mile drive. And one of them, uh, and I left my notes at work with his name, actually towed his car the 20 miles instead of driving it, which is pretty neat. Um, so 20-mile drive. I don't remember the time they said that won the event, won the overall. But it was like 8.50s. I think somebody ran in the 8.30s throughout the event. Am I crazy there? No, I was just looking at my notes. I think it was Randy Lambert, I believe, is the one that towed his car. I think yep. it was the Impala. Yep, yep, that's right. It was the Impala. And I think information like that's pretty cool to have. And that's what I like about all of Brian's stuff. Um, there was an in, there was interviews with at least eight or nine different racers. One thing I do want to know is the total car count. There's one part where the announcer of the event talks and, and like, names out the names and so i have the fastest 10 and then i think i added another 10 or 11 maybe nine any yeah he's counting them now you gotta take a shoe off oh no you're you're a little noy you're fine i got 26 cars that's awesome not all of them were mentioned because i actually went and, and kind of looked into this a little more after i finished the podcast um because he had mentioned some people had passed away since that yeah. event so um, oh, that's like right, yeah. that there was there was 26 that i could find that were at man that's event. that's so crazy and here's the other side that i found really interesting is like you can't find any info like there's not like a simple 1992 hot rod magazine streetcar shootout that you can type into google and it gives you anything that's remotely close to you know you've really got to do some digging so i'm hoping uh, with dragondrive.com that people will be able to do that in the future. You know, they could see who ran what in 2007, you know, we could, we could run that from there. Like Tom McGilton, who's done 18 events, you know, like as he does more and become, you know, all that. So it looks I like the, the fastest pass was an eight, three eighty three. Nice. In 92. Nice. Yeah. That's fast. And uh, one of the guests was talking about the shitty tires. He's like, man, I had hard Mickey Thompson sportsman's, Right. Uh, on the car, you know, and I mean, I, I can't imagine trying to run that. He said he would spin out to about 
150 feet or something like that. And then, right. And, and that was down. on a, a 60 something Camaro is what it was. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, had, he eventually, he got it going to where he, he would actually pull the front wheels on the line with those hard tires. <laughs> nice. Like that's gotta be kind of crazy. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. And just the technology that we have available now, 20, you know, yeah, 30 years later compared to what they had then, you know, I mean, you're talking about there, there's, there was a whole lot of uh, screwdriver tuning on carburetors, you know, you need a laptop then. That was Billy Edwards. He went six thirties on a hard Mickey Thompson tire. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I did pull some of these names back against some of the historical stuff I had um, in Dragon Drive. And I, I don't see any of the names of the top 10 there in my, in my list. So that, that's my other question, uh, if Brian ever, is ever able to get on. Or maybe he'll answer the questions that I sent. You know, did those guys go on to to do a Dragon Drive event? You know, that because obviously I want to know how we get from 92 to the pump gas drags in 2003 to then, you know, Hot Rod Drag Week in 05. Yeah, towards the end, they talked a little bit about uh, what what drivers have continued and which ones are still racing. And yeah. I don't know that it actually hit on drag and drive events per se but a lot of those guys are still racing yeah i thought that was pretty cool and uh one of my questions to him was you know how many of those guys still have that car they raced i thought that would be a a neat topic to know so if he does i would love to have the conversation with him and you know bring him over here and and let him talk for as long as he wants to i don't care we'll be on here for four hours if we want to right um one of the cool stories that i really thought hit home about how these racers on this and how street racers evolve into drag and drive stuff is the, it's about an hour and nine minutes in uh, the rear axle repair, Max Carter axle tubes were like spot welded together. Uh, They had bought the car and put it together for the event. The axle tubes are like spot welded at one point. They're like standing on one corner and lifting. I mean, it was like the whole back system was like a, a pendulum. He said, and so, they go over one guy says, no, man, we, we don't have anything. We can, we can loan you. We don't have a welder. We don't have a wrench. We'll give you or anything like that. Steve, Steve Johnson's group. They had uh, they were from New yeah. York with a big rig basically. Yeah. And, uh, and when he went and asked, he, the guy said, uh, I don't even got an open, open end wrench. I can loan you. <laughs> I and when I heard that, I'm like, I'm like, that's, you know, that you don't hear about that in today's drag yep. and drive, but as the story goes on, it kind of, comes yep. around to more what today would be like. Yep. Yep. And then uh Dan Scott's the guy that comes to the rescue. They take the rear axle out. He's welding it right there in the pits on the ground. I mean, I, that's, that's a hundred percent drag and drive life right there. Um, and, and, and as he was welding the rear end, uh, Ken Anderson calls him and is looking for head gaskets. So he <laughs> yeah. goes and gets head gaskets and yep. gives them to him. So yep. yeah, yep. those I, kind of I, stories are very cool. Yep. I thought that was really neat. And then, um, yeah, I've got that on there. And then the those guys were holding the axle like they're trying to eyeball it to be straight before he welds it. It was it was pretty cool. Which and he ended up being the very last person to qualify for the event. Yeah. After after he repaired it. I don't see uh twelve twenty seven at eighty one miles an hour. Yeah, is what, is what he ended up making a pass just trying to just trying to get into the event. Yeah, because of the, they were saying because of attrition that it was literally if you made a pass you could get in. Yep. 
So that's pretty wild. It's funny that, you know, the, the street side of stuff is what kills these cars. Everybody can build a fast race car that goes a quarter mile at a time, but it's the idling in traffic or the sustained 3,100 RPMs for 132 miles that kill stuff, you know? Are you going to talk about who actually won it or? No, dude, lead us. Okay. So that is what was interesting to me is Max Carter is the one who broke his rear end last place qualifier 1227 at 81 miles an hour and ends up winning the event at the 8.383. That's pretty so awesome. How, how wild is that to, you know, you're, you're welding up your rear end, you barely make it in and, and then he ends up being the one that wins the whole thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That, that, uh, one of the guys was talking about that they had their car kind of dialed in. They had spent some time in the car, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you could tell there was a lot of guys that had not. Which we'll talk about not, you know, not having cars ready next week when we, <laughs> we do that podcast. But yeah, um, one of the other things that I found interesting was that th- this event was um, small block, big block, nitrous, turbo, NA, small tire, yeah. big tire, suspension. Like there was... It was open. It was run what you brung, yeah. fastest street cars. Obviously, uh, the one guy that showed up with a, a Corvette on alcohol got turned away because that was one of their rules. But yep. like there was no class. It was just. Yeah, they even said, like, we should have let him run alcohol. Like, it didn't matter. You know what I mean? They shouldn't have made that rule. What's wild to me is, like, the NA guys got such a weight break. You know, you could be, like, 2,600 pounds or something like that in a, but it was, like, 2,900 or 3,000 pounds for power adder. Yeah, I think the lightest car, if I remember right, was 2,800 pounds, and it was one of the Mustangs. That's surprising. I thought those cars were really heavy. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably a gutted, gutted Fox body. But what's funny is, like, you're talking about a car that in 92 had only been out since 79, you know? Yeah. I'm pretty sure the lightest car was the Fox body. I think it was like a 79 or 82 or something like that. Yeah, there was in in the race, there was an 89, a 92, and an 86 Mustang, and then a 65, which it wasn't the 65. It was, uh, I want to say it was Steve Graybeck and his 92, but it's probably in my notes here somewhere, but I can't remember. That's awesome. Um, And then a few other things and then we'll, we'll move on to the other topics here is uh, I want to know what the next stages of that. Like I I said earlier, I want to know, you know, I hope he continues to push the story. Like, you know, how do we get from that? How do we get from the streetcar shootout to the pump gas drags and then to drag week? And then obviously, you know, we talked about the growth from drag week. Uh, There's something I'm working on already that, should hopefully tell some of the boom that we're seeing now, uh, but it's going to take me a little bit to put together. So, but uh, I, it won't be on the same par with him, but it's going to be something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And and his podcast has, uh, has motivated me to go ahead and do it because it's, it, that information needs to be out there. That information needs to be told. Yeah. Uh, looks like Rick Dyer, he was a uh, 69 Camaro, 3,600 pound car doing wheel stands and going high eights and low nines. And then yeah. he, he made a comment that, you know, they were hanging out at restaurants and driving around town in these cars. Yeah. That's so cool. And I think that's one of the funnest things about dragon drivers because there's so many opportunities for people that don't typically get to 
see these kind of cars if they don't go to the track they don't have any kind of interaction with that kind of stuff you know now they can now, now they get a chance to get up close to it and for drag and drive stuff you know you talk about like a like brian acton's car is one of my favorite cars they literally have a basket on the back it's got two slicks on it like you know their toolbox all that kind of stuff so like that car pulls in and it's a really nice nova that car pulls into a restaurant in middle america wherever that's at ohio iowa whatever they pull in people are going to gather oh man i had one like that and they're like you didn't have one like this i guarantee it you know because it's 850 car you know but like that car's ran sevens you know and so but you get all these people that are talking about and even cars like bailey's pulling a a trailer i mean you're talking about a five second capable car pulling a trailer a thousand miles that's pretty neat when you start thinking of kids that are eight to 12 years old that are in their mom's minivan or Tahoe. And this car comes blah, 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 blah in. And you're at the window looking out, you know, it's, right. it's just really neat stuff. And even like some of the 10 and 12 second cars, like uh, Jesse Mattaferi, who has the, the trucker, you know, with the John mm-hmm. Deere cab and stuff like that. Like talk about garnering attention across the entire part of whatever he's driving on. You know, people are, clamoring to come look at that so and kids love race cars in general i mean i i've taken my car the fox body to just some local meets and you know i open up the door and let kids jump in there i mean it's it's not a great car it's nothing special but i mean they just they love getting in a race car and yeah you know and having that feel uh one last thing i'll say about the podcast everybody should go listen to it it's it's really good it is you know two hours and 15 minutes uh, one thing that I found interesting was uh, Randy Lambert had mentioned in 1988, the NMCA put on a race at Union Grove, Wisconsin, which is right by me, that was King of the Street. So King of the Streets is actually, it, it went away two or three years ago, maybe three or four. But that mm-hmm. was a big no prep event here at Union Grove that uh, I used to attend all the time. So when, when they wow. had mentioned back in 88 that there was this, king of the streets race at the same track i hadn't even heard of that before so yeah were you even even born in 88 i was two (laughs) (laughs) but anybody that's from around here knows of king of the streets and union grove so yeah uh, definitely thought that was pretty cool that's awesome all right well uh it doesn't look like we've got any comments on that so do you want to jump in so i'll kind of give folks the i don't know uh precept here is um is you want to talk about what a street car is oh god that part or no 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 (laughs) i feel i feel like an 850 car would be awesome i feel like a 10 to 12 99 car is more than enough for anybody because here's the other thing i think the other uh, question i had for you and that was what's the fastest you've ever the fastest pass you've ever made and then what's the fastest car you've ever ridden in yeah, so for me personally, I have only driven the Fox body behind me there three passes, and then somebody oiled down our track, so I didn't get to make any more passes. It wasn't twin turbo yet. It was stock 6.0, and I had zero seat time in the car, and I think I ran a 13.9 at like 100 mile an hour, yep. which if I had the seat time, that car as it sat should have been at least in the 12s, if not better, well, but um should have been yeah i mean there was a i I made a lot of mistakes driving it and i just wasn't comfortable with the car yet i mean 
I was impressed that the thing stayed together and making it all the way down the track. Honestly, I put, <laughs> put the thing together from nothing. It was, a it was just a chassis sitting on a garage floor when I picked it up. So that's awesome. Um, and the fastest car I've ridden, that's a good question. I've been in a couple like nitrous Fox bodies that my buddy has. Um, that's probably the quickest or his S10. And I think yep. it runs high sevens, low eights. Like in the quarter or eighth? In the quarter. Wow. That's a it's really a, fast car. It's a fast truck. I mean, obviously yeah. I wasn't in it, you know, making a pass, but yep. it's uh it's still it's an impressive truck. Right. So here's what here's the research I did for that topic. 170 cars were 850 to 950 cars averages, right? <clears throat> Across the event. Now they may have been fast for whatever, but they over the year, 170 cars, 850 to 950, that's only 10% of the competitors. Right. So 238 10 second cars, 234 12 second cars, and 150 something 11 second cars. So the moral of my story is whatever you have, just get in and enjoy it and drive it to the, one of these events and, and have fun. That's do, me. Do, yeah. Do burnouts for kids. Who cares? That's so. me. That's definitely, definitely something I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, the more, the more I've talked to people and I, I, I think I'm, I'm worrying myself about things breaking more than, you know, yeah. listening to the stories of, of giving out head gaskets and, and welded <laughs> rear ends. It's like, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's normal stuff, man. A head gasket swap in a park in a hotel parking lots. That's normal. Uh, right. Somebody had mentioned there was an entire COTS race series back then. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty that's awesome. Stuff that I had, I didn't even know. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Okay, dude, you want to jump in here? I'll let you take the lead here, kind of tell folks what we're doing, and uh, I'll open up this other one. Yeah, so uh, what we're going to do is I had a bunch of questions that I wanted to ask Mike just kind of regarding uh, drag and drive growth. You know, this episode was covering 2022, what we're or what he plans on doing for 2023. So uh, just a list of questions I put together and, and thought uh, this would be a good topic. So... First one is talk about the process of starting drag and drive, the, the social media, and these numbers should be pretty accurate, but Facebook, um, 2.7K, Instagram, 57K, YouTube, 2.7K. Is yep. this the type of growth that you had expected when you started it, or is it uh, you the, know, higher or lower? The Instagram growth blew my mind, obviously. <clears throat> 57,000 people. Following the Instagram channels, pretty amazing. Um, YouTube and Facebook, yeah, I kind of expected 2,500. And the reason being is we were still such a small community that you really end up, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of growth from Facebook that they're just going to give you. And then YouTube, of course, you know, you it's, you know, uh, it's actually almost as large as the Narcoleptic, which I grew for five years. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I would say I expected that kind of growth, but it's it's right on track with what I would expect. But we are definitely seeing more views now per video and all that kind of stuff. So that's exciting. I mean, I think for for starting it in 2022, I think that's that's pretty good growth for your first year. Well, I'll say this. Um, we've posted more than 3000 times across all the channels. So 
there has been some guerrilla warfare uh, there for sure. Guerrilla posting. We are just manhandling people into submission on that. And uh, I will say this, and I'll say it again here in a little bit too on another question. That's the, we're going to do more in 23. We're going to do more. So talk a little bit about taking over that Dragon Drive addiction group and kind of the growth of that group. I know you mentioned earlier it's grown from, what, 4,000 was it up to 9,600 or something? Yeah, I think it was like 42 or 4,300 when I came on. And obviously there were some conversations going on over there, but there just wasn't as much. And obviously if we can have racers talk to racers and answer racer questions, that's what we want to do. You know, and so... So the Dragon Drive Addiction Facebook group allows that. And it really, there's so much information that I put there. I think that's probably another reason dragondrive.com, Facebook, and YouTube maybe hasn't grown as much. It's simply because I share it in the, um, I share it in the Dragon Drive Addiction Facebook group and on dragondrive.com. So if you have 9,600 people in Dragon Drive Addiction Facebook group, they're more likely to, Facebook is more likely to show it to those folks. And then, hey, right here. Hi, dude. Uh, Nivlac57, they were on last week or week before last week before last um, talking about their trip to PRI and stuff like that. So it's good to see them. And they just hit a milestone on their YouTube channel, yep. didn't they? Yeah, 10,000 subscribers, which is amazing. So if you're not subscribed to them, you definitely need to go do that because I love their channel. Love their channel. Love the way they explain stuff. Love the way they build stuff. Their, their engineering minds uh, definitely lend to uh, some drag and drive success, which they're bringing two cars to sick week. So I'm excited to see them. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, after after that episode, I definitely did a little research on the, the Vortec 4.2. Yeah, dude, if you didn't, there's something wrong with you. Like, it's an interesting motor. I mean, like I, I'll give it to him. I just wish there were some performance options and I wish it wasn't so tall. It's just so very tall. What I think would be fun is to do one of those in an old truck or an old long nose sixties car, just because, you know, those cars came with six cylinders and now it'd be fun to have that. Um, I do want to say we are now the second largest drag and drive Facebook group out there uh, with Dragon Drive Addiction. So that's pretty neat. I want to say thank you to everybody that invites folks all the time. I love that. I think there are a lot of folks that go in to invite their friends and realize that their friends are already in there. So so it's pretty cool to be almost 10,000. I really feel like we'll hit 10,000 members by the end of the month. So I was hoping we'd get there by the end of the year, but I'm out of friends to invite. So <laughs> we don't want to invite friends that are just people. We want to invite Dragon Drive folks. So yeah. So how is the participation in that group? Are you are you happy with, with that participation? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We are seeing a lot more folks come on to uh we're we're seeing a lot more folks come on and ask questions that are new to the community. You know, so I think we're gonna go through that phase now to where we're kind of, hey, what's the best this, what's the best that kind of, you know, hey, this is gonna be my first drag and drive event what should I look for type questions. And it's always great when a new person comes on because you get, and they ask that question, what should I expect in my first event? And then there's, you look two hours later, there's 20 comments. That's pretty amazing that so many people go in there and reply to that person and help answer questions and all that kind of stuff. So the struggle is, is the larger you get, you don't want to end up with, you know, people asking questions and then people getting irritated having to ask the same yeah. questions. You know, I see that in a, a lot of different groups I'm in, but uh, yeah. I don't think, I don't think right now that's going to be an issue. Yeah. I don't think so. I think we, 
one, I approve every comment and, well, not me, uh, the team. We approve every comment and every new member. So if they're, if I can't pull up your main profile and see a car in the last six or eight posts that you've got on your Facebook page, you ain't getting in. So, man, we want car people. So there's a, you know, there's a lot of bots that are out there too. And so they just, they, you know, we try and keep a lot of that clean. We could probably be 20,000 if we just opened it up, but I'm not going to. So, <laughs> right. I think that's the, the right way to do it too. Yep. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the YouTube channel. You've got drag and drive news. You've got daily dose of drag and drive. You've got the drag and drive show, you know, you've got shorts, event coverage, quick cuts. What's uh, kind of, what's your 2023 goal and, and what, what do you want to do with the channel? Yeah, so I definitely want Dragon Drive. The Dragon Drive show is my favorite. I love a long format, a chance for us to really have in-depth conversations. Um, the Dragon Drive news, uh, sorry, sorry. The Dragon Drive show is Wednesday nights, seven p.m. It's kind of the best time for me to do this. Um, I will say Eric has been on the whole time that we've been doing this, but we will have rotating guests. There'll be some times where maybe he isn't here and someone else is here. I know everybody is sad about that, but that I, I kind of want to, we're going to make, you know, it's going to keep it up. Uh, the one thing is I want more guests and I haven't had the opportunity just because work has been a little wild and my home life has been wild to really dive in and get those guests to come on. My ultimate goal for the Dragon Drive show would be to have a five minute segment with a guest on Saturday morning on the Dragon Drive news that is pre-recorded and kind of gives an overview and teases folks and then have that guest on again Wednesday night to be able to expand on the information that we gave them. So it really works well for a lot of, I'm not going to say businesses, but a lot of builders, a lot of that, because we can maybe build some interest, but, and then come on here and really dig deep and, and have great conversations about drag and drive and what, what to look for. I really want an engine builder on here because I want to talk about, just how you go, you know, from initial conversation to in the car, making nine second passes, 10 second passes. What's the process look like? What's your, you know, it's what was so great about having John um, from Delta PAG on the Dragon Drive News Show is his thought process on the entire cooling system. And then Andrew Starr, I want to have him back on, hit cooling system, tuning, all that kind of stuff, because there's so much that goes into not just an all-out pass. There's so much that goes into how do you tune that thing for the street? How do you tune it to drive and get decent mileage? Like Scott Kleppinger would be a great guest on here because his seven-second Camaro gets 24 miles a gallon on the highway towing a trailer, you know, while he's on a drag and drive. So, you know, I, there's, a, there's a lot that I want to do with both of those. Uh, the drag and drive news. <clears throat> I want to get back on a regular schedule with it. Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. Not live. I want to pre-record and edit down so people get a hard 30 minutes on what is coming for the community, what's coming for events, uh, any, you know, like the sweet patina built for drag and drive segment, you know, how we dig deep in three minutes for a car build or, you know, like the, the Nelsons, the uh, Fiat they're bringing to sick week you know, how, how can we dive deep into that and, and build some hype around that car for them once they get there and then be able to obviously expand on what goes into building a 700 horsepower 4,200 that lives. I like that idea. I think kind of teasing that and then having, 
having that on Wednesday night's a good idea. Well, and I can, you know, we'll I'll come up with like three to five questions. Uh, the guests can pick those three to five is my plan. Uh, you know, they'll pick three of the five, and then we'll just hit them hard. That'll be their segment on the news, and then Wednesday night we'll expand and talk about all the stuff, kind of like what we've done tonight with you know, deep dive into stuff, and then the shorts, event coverage, and quick cuts. I'm. I don't know how to say this, but I'm going to be the hardest working dude anybody knows in Dragon Drive. I'm going to lay it out right now because the racers deserve that. There is so much stuff that I am not able to talk about just because I don't have the time to put it together, sleep, work my day job, take care of my family, cook breakfast in the morning. I mean, like, I'm getting up earlier in the mornings now trying to do stuff before they all get up. I'm going to bed later trying to get stuff done before I absolutely fall asleep at the table. You know, things like that. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna do a lot more of that. I'll just tell you. All right. So, anyways, quick cuts, shorts, all that stuff is coming. Awesome. Um, so, talk a little bit about the differences between, the, between attending a Dragon Drive as a competitor versus more of a media outlet slash promoter. Which, one, which one's tougher? Kind of what do you enjoy about those? Yeah, uh, competitors way tougher, <laughs> mainly because of the time in the lanes. You know, the the crossover or the get ready, we'll call it. I don't know what that phrase is. The race ready setup. I don't know. You know, coming in, uh, I'll tell a funny story real quick. I had never mounted the slicks on the Narch cart. We pull into race week day one. I'm going to go mount them up. They don't fit. Okay, had to literally borrow a grinder from Carlos Astor and grind down my caliper so it would clear the wheel. If I was doing media coverage, I wouldn't have had to do that. But the other side of media coverage is like, you know, but most of these folks don't is the, oh, man, I need to go talk to that guy. That will get you in more trouble than anything because you'll be at the line. This is a, a perfect example. Tina Pierce makes a 200 mile an hour pass at King of the Open Road in November. She makes the pass. I watch two more races and then I run halfway across Thunder Valley to get to her to get an interview. You know, how do you, as one person, how do you see all that? How do you get the right angles? How do you talk to the right number of people? You know, and, and moving forward, how do I provide more content? Because even now Midwest Drags has the best drag and drive live feed out there because there are roaming cameras that are set up to uh, feed, stream right to the live stream, right? So they can, the producer can pick and choose who they pick, all that kind of stuff, right? Well, like all these others, and a lot of times Midwest Drags team, you're just looking at the track or you're you're just looking out over the pits or something like that. You know, how do we provide real-time stuff? How do you jump on, I don't know, YouTube Live or use StreamYard here and and run around and interview 10 people and not bore people because they still want to watch racing that's going on on the live stream, but they still want to see our stuff too. You know, so you end up, do you edit down stuff? Do you, you know, I spent probably four hours a day just editing down the small clips so I could post them to, you know, YouTube shorts or Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever. Right. So. so one of the things I struggle with, with, with the media stuff is you want to do, you want to do shorts, reels, TikToks. Yep. You want to do full, full, uh, full length videos for YouTube, 
Um, some of the best videos that I've done were when I was at the starting line and Dan was at the, at the trap and we got both angles. So yep. that makes for a really good video. You get to see the launch, you get to see, you know, the first half of the track and then you pick up from the other camera. Yep. Okay, that takes two people. Uh, yeah. photos you know i've really gotten into to photos i want to take photos at the starting line um interviews in the pits you see what i'm saying there's yeah it, it's very hard to do all that with one person and then yeah you know how do you how do you make a team to do it yeah because like at the same time i love dragon draft love it to my core this is my jam but for other people it may not be their jam it may be, this is fun. I enjoy it. But me, I'm trying to get every shot, every time, tell every story where they may be trying to get good shots, maybe a mediocre shot. They're like, hey, I gotta, I've got to get content that I can put out that will perform well. Where me, I'm like, I want everything. I want right. every racer. I want to have a conversation with every person. I want to talk about every pass. I want to talk, you know, I don't know. Just, right. I'm just going to stand in front of the camera next time. It's going to be like, an 11 hour live stream. <laughs> you know, so, so, so do you set up two cameras, one, you know, early on in the track and one later in the track, you and know, you just you run between them. Do you, do you leave them, <laughs> let them record for, you know, however long, you know, switch them out batteries. I don't know. I don't, I don't know Dude, how to can, do it. But it's something no. that, can you imagine? That's one big benefit about the Midwest strikes team is that then I can go and they'll, you know, physically give me that, uh, those videos. So then I can take them and cut them down, which is my plan for this year is while we're driving to the, from track to track is I'll edit down videos from the live stream that day. So, yeah. you know, obviously everybody loves big fast passes. You know, maybe I can do fastest pass of the day, things like that. So we're going to, the producer and his team will take notes throughout the day, who made the fastest pass, who did this, the time stamps and things like that. So so there's a lot of that that goes on, but I don't have that opportunity at any other event, you know? So how do I, how do I grow that? How do I get that opportunity at other events? You know? Well, I promise you, you're going to see me at events and you're going to see me <laughs> bothering people to get media passes and yeah. take pictures and talk to yep. people. It's that's, I enjoy it. I like, I yeah. like talking to people. I like sitting here talking cars. I like watching. Yeah. I like all of it. So you're definitely yeah, well, you're you're, you're definitely on the list. So everybody, get ready to see that face for six summer for sure. Um, I just submitted my sick week media credentials. Su submitted four of my sick week media credentials today, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, uh, I've yeah, already bought my plane time. ticket and everything like that, so I'm going. But <laughs> I just hope I can get up close for you guys. If I don't get a media pass for six summer, which I don't see why I wouldn't, I'm still going to be there recording. Yeah. I say it all the time. I've been thrown out of nicer places than this. <laughs> all right. So real quick, what? Uh, how was your first pit announcing gig? What What, what would you have thought on that? How did that go? Did you like it? Did you not like it? I loved it. I, and um, for everybody that hasn't seen it, it's the Midwest Drags 2022 stuff. I love it because it gives the people at home a lot better show, right? So a lot of these events just simply show the racing they just they don't show the pits they only have this was one of the biggest benefits to us is the if the announce if there was nothing going on at the track on the track they could cut to me and i could talk to racers right so it took a couple of days to work that out so like day three and four is really the best days for that i feel like 
and going into this year will be so much better. It's going to be amazing because there's so many opportunities to talk with racers during downtime. Or even we have a picture-in-picture picture that started working out later in the week. So if it is, say, a slower grouping of cars that maybe we lose viewership during that time, we can jump over to me and I can interview. And you can still watch racing, but I can talk to, to people as they're, as they're in the lanes, as they're getting ready, all that kind of stuff. Getting the changeover. I think that's one of the funnest things for people at home that maybe are just watching these live streams to see is because we can go watch racing every week. No problem. You can watch it. You can pull it up on your phone anywhere. But to you know, have a camera that was dedicated to Cletus during the Midwest drags, I mean, like, wasn't dedicated, but we had it on him a lot. They could pop to that, and it would show him either getting the car ready, getting the car switched over. Same for a lot of the racers that were in the pits. It allowed those people at home to see what it really takes to get your car ready. Pull in, get the tires changed, get the car jacked up and lowered, and, oh, man, take the intercooler, you know, whatever. Whatever you had to do, you, you know. You... And it, it won't be the last time you're doing that, right? You're doing that again this year? Yeah, yeah, I'll be back at Midwest Drags. East Coast Invasion, I'm really excited about it. I'm actually purchasing my tickets next week. To because I'll fly to there because it's just so far. Virginia Motorsports Park again, the fastest track in all of Dragon Drive history. So yeah, it's exciting cool. to go back there. That's where Bailey ran a five ninety nine. So we'll move on a little bit. We'll talk about the the stats or the data that you kind of gather for all of Dragon Drive. What? How did you come up with this idea to make these lists and gather all this data? Well, I'm going to blame a little bit of that on uh, on the team at Dragon Drive uh, Addiction. So uh, Hyde and I are big buddies and partners on this, and we just snowballed ideas. What what do people want? What do people want? What do people want? And so from there, obviously, uh, I spend all day at my day job in Excel, and so I'm pretty proficient at that. And so I love the his, historical side of stuff. So I love that moving forward people will be able to go to one spot and have all of this data instead of i mean literally i don't even know how many hours i put into gathering the data just gathering the data is hundreds of hours just gathering it and then so having all of that now and having it moving forward hopefully from event promoters i hope that people don't uh hope people like what we're doing and they will uh, keep giving us information, right? Okay. So we get information a little bit early sometimes. Uh, a lot of the stuff we do is public the same way everybody else does. We just, I was the idiot that went through and grabbed 15 years of data from, you know, Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So, so yes, I love it. I was going to say, I, I, I know you really enjoy doing that. So, and I know you spend a lot of time getting it. Yeah. So, and I think I, all the drivers do appreciate it. I think they like seeing all that information and now you're handing out stickers. And I just yeah. think that the outlook of what you're doing is, is very good. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely appreciate all the comments I've had uh, over the last couple of weeks while I've been getting addresses to send those out. And the neat thing about having all of this historical stuff is we can really, it gives us a, an, insight into like Tom McGilton, you know, how many times are Clark Rosenstengel who's DNF more than anybody else in history, but he's entered more than anybody else. You know what I mean? Like behind, so it's Tom and then Clark, you know, Clark has done 
like 17 events, but only finished seven or something like that. So it's really, I think as the sport grows and people like Drag Illustrated begin to take notice, we can look back and see, oh man, what was the, what was the fastest car in 2007? What was the fastest car in 2017? You know, like, and they'll begin to use that data and we'll be an easy source for it. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I do see here roadblocks. Uh, I will say there's no easy way to get this stuff uh, other than just physical search, unless you had conversations and a real good relationship with event promoters, which I maybe didn't have for some of the event promoters. And I had to just go in and do the work to gather all this stuff. So I'm hoping that moving forward, people won't have to do that work. So what's kind of uh, your future ideas, changes, updates to the data that you're collecting for 2023? Um, I want to add co-pilots. I, I think that is a huge thing. And I want to, you know, obviously those folks don't get any love from any of the uh, outlets because really the, and the reason they don't get any of it from me is because I don't have that data. I, I physically don't have it. So Moving forward, you know, that's a, a big thing for us. I'm I'm adding that spot to the circuit stuff so I can gather that and begin to put that on list. So that and racer profiles to where you could physically go in and type in Clark Rosenstengel and it would pull up all of his averages or, you know, maybe more all of his passes, all of the cars that he's done that in, things like that. So announcers and promoters and and People looking into the history, you know, people writing articles, journalists, all that kind of stuff could go in and get that kind of stuff in one place. Plus, the racer side of that, too, is if Clark doesn't remember what he finished the 2008 event with, he could go in there and pull that. Not that he would need that. He may remember it. I don't know. But I think it would be really cool to have that. You know, and as we grow, as the sport grows, where could, you know, what is stuff that we're not even thinking of? You know, and I think the racer profiles would allow that, you know, because you could really get down like Rick Prospero in the Mazda RX-7, the Green Mamba. I mean, he literally did one six years ago and then comes out this year and is like number three or four on the list. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are all definitely good, good updates. And uh, yeah. uh, the co-pilots is going to be cool. Uh, is that going to be hard to gather? Is that going to be... It's going to be brutal, man. <laughs> The, the it's probably realistically easy. It's just a form that I'll put on a post and then share it out to everybody. And then you would go through and the hard part is how many events do you put on there? Do you put 10, the, the possibility to put 10 events on there? You know, like that's right. the big thing. So like, is Clark going to jump on Facebook, fill out the form for the um, co-pilot he's had for 10 years? Well, if he did two events in one year, how do you put that on? You know, like right. Or what if there's the, more than one co-pilot in a year? Yeah, and then you know, the other events. the other side of that too is like for guys that have only done one, do they need to see ten? You know, I yeah. You, you've got to prov I feel like I've got to provide the data that I want to get without also making it too cumbersome for a lot of people. Right. So. Yeah, co-pilots is going to be hard. But if we had racer profiles, they could go in and they would select, hey, because I would see they had raced in the 2009 Drag Week, they could select 2009 Drag Week co-pilot Pete Holm. 
you know, yeah. for, for Steve Eden or whatever. So, man, why does my, I'm like so fuzzy. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. All right. So we're on to our kind of final questions here. Um, obviously the future of Dragon Drive events is promising. Um, and we talked a little bit about this, but do you have any worries of over-polluting with, with the number of events that we're seeing? And, and you kind of hit on this earlier, these are selling out and everything, but just talk a little bit about how you feel there. Yeah, I, I think, like I said earlier, it'll come down to promoters. If promoters put on a shitty event and don't take care of the racers, if they're just there, hey, man, this is an easy way to make some money or this is the new hot thing. I want to do this. They're going to miss the point, you know, so for, and, and I was this guy hundred percent. So I can talk from experience. If you haven't attended a dragon drive event, you probably shouldn't host one. Like if you haven't physically raced in an event, you probably shouldn't host one. And I did that in 2019 and 2018 with the circuit. I, I just didn't care enough. I And until you do it, you don't understand. So I think it'll take some weeding out, but I think we're probably going to, you know, I don't know, mid thirties, I think will be the number that we'll end up with before it kind of, everybody goes, holy shit, there's too many of these. And somebody, you know, people put on 10 crappy events and then we drop back down to mid teens probably is fair. But if you look at the event schedule right now, and the map there's really the only stuff that's close to each other right now that is also close in relation is king of the open road cruise and lose and the circuit and sorry the the schedule is backwards there it's it's the circuit in april uh, 14th cruise and lose the 21st in lincoln nebraska and then king of the open road at oklahoma city in may so those are really the only three and they're regional events. Now you can't stack national events that close, but you can stack regional events that close because dude, regional people aren't going to travel 300 miles as a general rule to attend an event. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Andrea, uh, S one, two, three says, I'm glad to see some stuff out West again. That's really been surprising to me that we haven't seen any really Westward events in the last five years because, you know, hot rod drag week did drag weekend, I think in Arizona or something like that. And it completely flopped. So was everybody scared, but there are so many people that drive from out there to attend Rocky mountain events that, I mean, there should have been one a long time ago. So Redwood rally. I'm excited for, I'm ready to see that dude. My, my camera is like, <laughs> quit man. So yeah, what events not, are you planning on attending here in 2023? Well, uh, I learned today that I have a week less of vacation than I thought. So I don't know. I'm on the, uh, I know I'll be at autocross week. I know I'll be at um, Midwest drags. I know I'll be at sick week. And then I don't know drag week or Rocky mountain or race week. One of one of those three is kind of on the, on the bubble. Cause I still have to fit, fit a family vacation in there somewhere. You so. mean these drag and drive events aren't a family vacation? No, I ain't taking her on this stuff with me. You kidding me? 
Dude, don't do that. Listen, uh, that do not, if your spouse, significant other is not into this, don't be like, oh, we'll use it as a vacation, honey. It'll be fine. It's just a couple hours driving every day. We'll be at the track. It's not. Do not bring them. Do not. Anyways, sorry. Awesome. Uh, I'll probably be at six summer. Yep. Uh, I think we talked about nostalgia nights. Might be heading there and possibly down at your circuit and then i don't know yep. after that because i'm on the other hand where i have more vacation so yeah i've got yeah. a little more availability maybe to hit some <laughs> some of the smaller events too which yeah. i do think some of the smaller events don't get the event media coverage that the larger ones do so i yep. think that that would be kind of good to hit up some of these smaller events because hey who doesn't like seeing their car in a picture or a video and it's going to be really interesting moving forward how that will affect, um, you know, like Chris' story takes a, he is our official photographer for the circuit. Um, he uh, is one of the photographers for King of the Open Road. And then those guys send a lot of that stuff to, um, to uh, sorry, Sick the Mag for for entry into their magazine. I mean, there's there's a lot of really neat stuff. I think that will help sick the mag. And obviously we're gonna have to do that on our side too to to get more content. I'm gonna have to rely on guys like you that can come in and help me be where I can't be, you know, especially for next year. And then 24, I don't know, we'll have to see what happens. Hope hopefully I can buy a car that gets a lot of gas mileage and maybe an airplane for 2024. <laughs> Um, and then uh, in the in the comments here, I definitely want to talk about hosting the circuit. You know, that's April 14th through 16th at Joplin, Missouri. We are sold out. Uh, we are taking folks on the wait list right now. The wait list is only about 13, 14 people long, maybe 16 now. Um, so there's a good opportunity for folks to race there. And then one thing that's cool is Senate Race Media worked out a deal to where the first broke. I love this. I love this trophy. The first broke, you get your money back for your entry and free entry into the King of the Open Road event that that falls sometime in May. I love that because then you can go home, you can fix your stuff, and you can get redemption uh, back again on another regional. I love that. I think that's going to be great. Uh, King of the Open Road, I don't know their schedule yet, but if they've got stuff in Arizona, that's going to be hard. Texas and Oklahoma, I'm in on every event that I can I can do with them. So. Awesome. Yep. All right. Last question here. What are your personal goals for Dragon Drive for 2023? This one's a hard one. And I did write some stuff down because I wanted to make sure I got all the stuff. Um, I want to provide articles. I want to provide information to magazines and websites and stuff like that that cover drag racing. That's one big thing. Definitely adding to the team content creators data collection and entry, I think is going to be a big deal um, moving forward. I don't know if I can handle all of that and handle video editing and handle posting and handle all the stuff that goes on with the website and things like that. So I think we'll add to that team, definitely add to the team, not add to that team, add to the team, um, which is right now mostly me and then, uh, you know, grow from there. But my main goal is to, just absolutely double the exposure that we've had in 2022. You know, in 2022, we, we literally posted almost 3000 times across 
all of the social media. I don't know. I have that number somewhere. It's 2,800 or 3,100 or something like that. I did it for our, our media kits for potential sponsors going into 2023. I mean, there's so much information that's out there. I feel like I can double it with just a little bit more work and a little bit more tweaking. So double the interviews, double the stories, double the artwork. I don't know. My, I said it earlier. I want to be the hardest working dude in Dragon Drive. So I, I want people to be like, oh, my God, when does that dude sleep? And the answer is never. Like if your body gets used to four hours of sleep a night, you're ready for Dragon Drive all the time, right? Right. I mean, I tell you <laughs> what, we talk daily, right? Uh, yeah you already are doing a ton of work and i mean i don't know how you're going to keep doing more but kudos i, I mean you're you're we're, killing we're it with all this well stuff. i'm going to get more efficient that's what i keep telling myself i'm just going to get i'm going to get better at doing more stuff that's that's what it is um i do want to answer this person's comment here yes there's a 1200 dollar uh, challenge. It's not a standalone class. You will fit into other classes that your car fits, but it is a $1,200 challenge from uh, Questionable Performance Solutions. I love this. It's $1,200 with the car, like $1,200 total budget. I mean, it's everything. And then we have that and then we have a $5,000 challenge too. I think the $1,200 challenge is going to be, hey, it finished. That's how you're going to win. And then uh, the five thousand dollar challenge. I think we're going to see some nine second cars in that. So there, because there's no like the twelve hundred dollar class. It's really a neat challenge. You can find more at the circuit dnd.com, but it's really a neat setup. I think that's what's going to be the most fun about going into twenty three. Is we're going to see some interesting stuff. We're going to see people kind of you know like the the first broke award you know we have we're adding a scavenger hunt rally hunt to our to the circuit because we've got basically like saturday night is a cruise night we've only got 250 miles to drive so to fill time we're going to have a little longer stops we're going to have more fun it's going to be more laid back on saturday to to get to the checkpoint and do the cruise night and then it's only 80 miles back to race on sunday so to kind of you know, have, have some fun. Uh, Simply Organic Soil has signed up. Carl Bright uh, has the big block white El Camino. His company has signed up to sponsor the scavenger hunt. So $250 cash to the winner, a big custom trophy that I'm having done by cold hard art, which I'm excited about and, and just have some fun, take some pictures and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, Andrew asked, where do we find the details on those challenges? It is on the circuit dnd.com there or on uh, the circuit on Facebook. So it's the circuit charity with horsepower is our main page and then the circuit event. So pretty fun. Dude, I appreciate the questions that that's, I typically don't talk about myself, but I felt like those were really good to, to let folks know we haven't even got started. I say it all the time, but I haven't even got started. We're, I don't know. We're, we're taking drag and drive mainstream. So I love the questions. I think, I think you and I have a lot of similar goals for 2023. So yep. it's uh, just good to, to talk about them and talk about what we want to do, what we want to see, and then yep. hear from everybody else. What what do they want to see? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. What topics get conversations started and things like that and how we, how we can bring more people in. That's, that's my ultimate goal is how do we get, you know, cause going from, this is going to sound bad for the promoters that have done this for a long time, but typically all you've had to worry about 
It's just posting that you're having an event and you sell out. It's not going to be like that moving forward. You're going to have to do fun stuff. You're going to have to be in front of people. You're going to have to go get folks. And there's a lot of promoters out there that are not used to that kind of work. A lot of the national level promoters are, but a lot of these regional guys, they want to host an event because they've never attended one because they can't get into a national event. You know, so I think once we see the circuit sold out in a day and a half, the Cruise and Lose sold out in a few, I think a few hours. King of the Open Roads is going to sell out. So I think as people want to start getting into those events, they're like, they're looking, they're trying to find something somewhere. Um, and, and I don't know. We didn't even talk about eighth mile stuff. I think eighth mile <laughs> racing is going to blow up for Dragon Drive because there's so many eighth mile tracks. Yeah. So I don't know. We're just kind of on a ramble fest now, man. Uh, we got, <laughs> there, there's like 11 minutes left here. Should we even, should we let these people go and let them, let them have a night without us talking in their ear? I mean, I answer, I asked all the questions I had, I think yeah. uh, a lot of good conversation tonight. Yeah. And, and I appreciate everybody that has made comments in the chat. I really appreciate all the, the obviously the compliments you, you, you gave, but also the, the real questions and all the stuff that comes in from the dragon drive addiction, Facebook group. I think that's really, it keeps me on my toes. Some, I wish you all could see some of the stuff I see on the back side because there's, you know, yeah, there'd be just a lot more arguing and dumb stuff if we let dumb stuff in. And I don't <laughs> typically like to let dumb stuff in. So do you want to give a preview of anything for next week or going to hold off on that? Um, so yeah, definitely. Let's talk about uh, what we're going to, let's talk about homework for people. What, what should they do before next week's episode? Cause you're going to be back as the guest host next week. Cause we have a, a we had already started making a ton of, um, comments and conversation behind uh what you tell you tell them what we're going to watch so next week we are going to talk about finnegan's garage uh his movie parts one and two this was hell drag week 2022 so if you haven't seen that yet go check that out uh i've personally watched uh part one I have not watched part two yet. I am definitely going to do that before next week, probably even this weekend, because yeah. it is it is a very good watch. It talks about yeah. a lot of the things that maybe the drivers get to see during drag week, but maybe not yeah. people that aren't in the pits and don't see what goes on outside of just making passes and driving yeah. from track to track. Well, and one thing that I really liked about part one, and I'm about halfway through part two, <clears throat> is it's literally the struggle that they're going through. Like there's so many struggles that happen with that. They are just lucky they were in the parking lot. What's funny yeah. is, well, I'm not going to give it away, but guys, that's your homework before next week is to watch both of those. Cause that'll take us at least an hour to probably cover. There's a, a lot of really good, like, um, Tony Angelo saying, Hey, this is your chance to put LS in it. And he's <laughs> like, I'm not putting LS in it. And then they end up at this, um, like the benefit to being around Indy, which is where they had shipped a bunch of parts is, you know, you're around top fuel guys and they have a, a guy help them. I mean, it's, it's really a great episode. And one thing that I think is really cool is that I hope that the length of that video and the quality of it, maybe we'll catch the eye of someone like Netflix or Amazon prime or something like that, because that's what we're lacking too is a F1 style video, you know, uh, series 
in dragon in drag racing period you know they could follow john force around and it would be a great show to right. show because everybody just thinks oh man you mash the pedal down you go to the end of the track that's that, that we all know that's not what really happens and especially for dragon drive it, it's really a great story the entire story and then to get to the end and just i mean not yeah. even talk about it it's yep. <laughs> it's pretty wild yeah. so so definitely watch that it is what yep. Four hours for both parts total, about two hours oh, yeah. per part. Yep. So definitely so I, set a little bit of time aside uh, to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, next Wednesday night, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, we'll be back here. So, all right, dude, we'll tell everybody bye, and then I'm closing this down. Hey, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Uh, great conversation tonight. Uh, it's always fun getting to sit here and, and chat with everybody about stuff. And uh, this was fun talking about recap of 2022 and the goals that mike has and some of the goals that i personally have for 2023 so yep i guess if you haven't done it yet subscribe to both channels i mean if you're if you got to subscribe and follow here anyways because you you know we're the source for your news and entertainment in the dragon drive community and then 815 is gonna he's he's coming he's he's gonna be on an event and then it's gonna be over he's gonna be the right hand man all right guys see you thanks